0: Welcome to the weekly sermon from Generations Church. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Scott Hale. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? We're going to go individually. Everyone, answer me. Everybody, everybody doing good? Welcome to church. It's good to gather together, isn't it? If you're a visitor with us this morning, welcome. Thank you for coming and being with us this morning. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to minister today. And I'm excited because I believe that the Lord will impart a word that will strengthen you and help you. And I'm thankful for that. So can we start in prayer? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time to be together. May your Spirit unleash us from the things that hinder us And may we be drawn more and more to your throne of grace and experience more and more of you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen. We're going to start this morning with one of my favorite psalms and one of my father-in-law's favorite psalms. Psalm 103, we're going to start in verse 6. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Good news? He made his way known to Moses, he, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame and remembers we are dust. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your sweetness. I'm, I'm starting and I'm ending today's message in this psalm. It's a psalm sandwich. (laughs) Everybody go, mmm, it's so good, it's so good. And it is so good because this psalm speaks so richly to today's topic of doubt. Everyone say "Doubt." doubt. Doubt. And more specifically, this is the last in the series about getting free from the things that oppress us, right? Getting freedom, freedom from addiction, freedom from fear. We're talking today about freedom from doubt, and we want to get free from anything that is a hindrance to our walk with Christ. Amen? All right. Has anyone here ever experienced doubts? No? No one? Liars? Liars fill the room? Um, Now, you may be a person where doubt, honestly, is not your biggest struggle. Believing is easy, and trusting is natural, and that's so awesome. Or maybe you're on the flip side, and you're a person who questions everything. Anybody have any kids like that? Anybody got any kids that question everything? But no matter how you're wired, every single person on the face of this planet has come face to face with doubt. Say doubt again. Doubting what you know. Doubting in your own ability, right? Ugh. Doubting if you've made the best decision. Doubting if things are going to work out, right? So Psalm one hundred three mentions that God made His way known to Moses. Let's talk about Moses for a second. Moses sees a burning bush, and he hears God. Audibly speak, not like, I feel like the Lord said something to me, like Moses. He says, Moses. And Moses experiences God more intimately and personally than anyone since Adam and Eve walked in the garden. Moses sees and hears God. And it's such an awesome story. God says to Moses, I am the God of Abraham. I have heard the cries of the suffering of my people. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. I'll do miraculous signs through you so they'll know it's me. Oh, and by the way, here's my name. I've never told anybody. I am who I am. And do you know what that means? It means I am the complete, self-sufficient, eternally constant, almighty God. And then... As if that's not enough, Moses watches in amazement as his staff turns into a snake. His hand is covered with leprosy, and then it's miraculously healed. And after this miraculous face-to-face encounter with God, Moses is sure God is real, and Moses is clear on God's plans. You know how he responds? He looks at God, and he says, let's do this. Is that what happened? Oh, no, he doesn't say, let's do this. No, he says, who am I? What if they don't believe me? I'm really terrible at public speaking. And finally, in a last-ditch appeal, he begs, please, just send someone else. I get it, you're God, you had a plan, you picked the wrong guy. If Moses can have an undeniable encounter with the living God and still harbor a few doubts. Where does that leave us? For most people, it leaves us maybe occasionally, perhaps wrestling with some doubts. Sometimes, sometimes. Um, Let's see if we can get this video up here. This is a wrestling match. This is This is my boys playing one of their favorite childhood games, which is Wrestling Daddy on the Bed. They called it Wrestling Daddy on the Bed. And it was super competitive, and it was super fun, but you know what? They never had to fear because their daddy was always safe. He challenged them, but he would never hurt them. And he helped them learn, and he helped them get stronger. Did you know the word Israel means to struggle or wrestle with God? Isn't that interesting? See Genesis 32 for more information on that backstory. I want to give each and every person in here permission today to do what the children of God have done for thousands of years, and that's to wrestle with their daddy God. Stop wrestling your doubts on your own. And instead, wrestle them with your Father. Your Father loves you. He loves you. He can handle all your doubts. Your Father God can handle all your questions. And He is a safe and good place to bring those things. He is a safe and good place. Do you know God does not respond to your doubt out of insecurity because God is not insecure? He doesn't get offended because he is all-sufficient. See, the problem with doubt isn't him, it's you. It's me. So he's gracious and ready to help us. In fact, did you know every answer you could ever need comes from God? Every single answer. But Melissa, but Melissa, is it safe to admit my doubts because I thought my faith was only as strong as I am certain. Well, yes. come on, Adeline. Is that, is that what people are thinking? Let's talk about it. Faith is assurance, and faith is confidence. Did you know I'm completely confident that Jesus Christ is Lord? Amen. Amen. Did you know I'm assured of my salvation in him? I'm absolutely confident. I'm totally assured. But faith doesn't require certainty because certainty does not require faith. Certainty don't need faith, right? Do you need faith to brush your teeth? Do you, some of you need faith for your children to brush your teeth. But you can see the toothbrush. You can see the toothpaste. You can hopefully see your teeth or find your teeth. You don't need faith for that. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, not seen. Faith is not measured by how certain you are. It's trusting God to be who he said he is, even when you can't see or know everything. It's trusting, even when you can't see it or know it. And I think great faith isn't never doubting. It's being confident enough to commit to Jesus regardless of the doubts. I'm going to commit. I feel great 95% of the time, 5% of the time. I've got a few doubts, but I'm committing anyway. Stephen Furtick says it like this. He says, faith is not the absence of doubt. It's the means to overcome it. And I like that. For Christians, there's a beginning to our faith. A lot of people call it saving faith. It's that moment when you decide you are going to stop living the way you've been living and live for Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you commit to follow him. Now, in this moment, did we work for our salvation? No. Because if we had anything to do, if, if we had to earn salvation faith would be transactional. It would be a transactional arrangement. But we didn't purchase our salvation. We didn't earn our redemption. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son. So Jesus willingly died for us, conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave, offers eternal life as a free gift. Amazing to anyone who will receive it. And do you know God even gives us the measure of faith that enables us to receive his grace? He gave us that. He gives us everything. We get zero credit. Everyone say, "Zero zero credit. Faith isn't transactional because faith is covenantal. Faith is a covenant. Faith in Jesus is a relationship and it's a real relationship that Scripture often compares to a marriage covenant. So it's not a relationship that exists in your, in your heart. Mm, I got all the worm fuzzies because now I'm saved. Right? It should affect everything about your life. Everything should look different. Because believers are called the bride of Christ. We are the bride. The church is his bride. And you know, when you think about it like that, it becomes more clear when James says, faith without works is dead. James isn't saying, your faith isn't enough to get you into heaven. You need to add some works to earn your way into heaven. That's not what faith without works is dead means. James is saying, faith is committing to Jesus in a covenant relationship that is expressed by obeying his words and following his example we thought faith was a noun but faith is a verb it's a verb faith looks like faithfulness faithfulness commitment to jesus it's like saying lord i choose to walk in your ways even though i don't always know what's going to happen does anyone here know everything that's going to happen? I'd like to talk to you after service. <laughs> Even though I don't always know, I still trust you because I know you. And the more you know them, the more you can trust them. All right. As David said in Psalm 94, when doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. And you guys, I believe that when we wrestle with God against our doubts, right? We're wrestling with him. It's a dynamic way to grow our faith and overcome those very doubts. So let's be bold. Let's be bold. Let's, Let's pray, Lord, I have faith enough to not hide my doubts, but to bring them to you. So I can grow and abound in knowledge and depth of insight and discern truth and be filled with your spirit. Isn't that an awesome prayer? I stole it. Paul prayed it over the Philippians. I think it's an awesome prayer. Do you want to grow in knowledge and depth of insight? I do. Do you want to discern truth and be filled with God's spirit more and more? Oh, good, me too. All right. We're gonna talk about three kinds of doubt. These are three different kinds of doubt that we find in the New Testament. And so as we're going through them, you may recognize something that you're struggling with or perhaps it'll help someone you know. So we're gonna start with the most famous example of doubt in the Bible. This is so famous, the person got a nickname that I'm sure they love. Finish my phrase, doubting poor Thomas. Poor Thomas. I always feel bad. I feel bad for the Thomas and the Marthas. We can learn a lot. All right, Um, we're going to start with the backstory that's described in Luke 24. This is after the crucifixion. There is an empty tomb, but not a lot of people have seen Jesus yet, and there's rumors people are encountering a risen Jesus. So listen to this. The disciples were in a room, a locked room, by the way, talking about this, and Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Because I'm sure they're a little freaked out. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands, look at my feet. It is I myself, touch me and see, a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, and while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? (laughs) I promise I'm not a ghost, but I am starving. I love Jesus so much. All right. Now, who's not here? Thomas ain't here. So now let's go to John 20. Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came that time, so the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord, and we totally believed it. And we didn't doubt at all. <laughs> but he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them, though the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Oh, you're not just my rabbi. You're my God. I get it now. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas and all the other disciples, all of them, have a doubt. Let's call it mental doubt. It's like an uncertainty based on a lack of information. I don't have enough evidence. I'm going to need more evidence. Everyone does this. It's part of the cognitive process, right? We go, man, how did God create the world in six days? And when did the dinosaurs happen and all of that? When were they? And should I move here or should I move there? This job sounds good, but would this job be better? I wonder, I wonder what the best plant was, should I pick? Mental doubt formulates most of the questions that we ask about the world around us. And you know what it does? It helps us learn, and it helps us grow in knowledge. Does that sound like a bad thing? No? Now let's... (laughs) Thanks, Ads. Now let's look at a second kind of doubt. So the first one is what? Mental doubt? Let's look at a second kind of doubt in Mark 9. So this is a really heart-wrenching story. There is a father who has a son who is... Uh, possessed by an evil spirit, which causes the son to hurt himself. It threatens his life. And the disciples tried, but they could not cast the evil spirit out of the boy. So Jesus says, after a good eye roll at his disciples, bring him to me. And let's start in verse 21. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood. Oh, how heart-wrenching. He answered, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. And the boy was healed. Boy, that desperate father, can you relate it all? Oh God, I believe. Help my unbelief. This is an example of what we're going to call emotional doubt. And this is an intimidating doubt because you know what it's based on? It's kind of based in ourselves. Like we're so overwhelmed by our own shortcomings, it makes navigating this doubt pretty difficult. Am I worth anything? Am I really saved? Am I capable? Can I do this? God, I believe you can do it, but will you do it for my child? I believe you can do it, but will you do it for me? And in those moments of emotional doubt, it's not that we just need more knowledge or information. We need a greater understanding of who God is and who we are in him. Let's look at one more kind of doubt. This last kind of doubt is found in Matthew 14, and it stars the rock himself, Peter. Let's read it together. Um, Backstory, the disciples are in a boat in the middle, and it's a huge storm, and there's waves, and they're crashing, and it's dark. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Who do they see walking on a lake? They're in a storm on a boat in the middle of nowhere, miles of sea. And they see someone walking on the lake. It's a ghost, they said. Like, what is this, an episode of Scooby-Doo every time? They think Jesus is a ghost every time. Like Zoiks, they said and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. He's so sweet to us. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Pretty big deal? Pretty big deal. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, crying out, Lord, save me! Immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. You of little, faith. Why did you doubt? And then they both got in the boat. Let's call Peter's doubt spiritual doubt. Spiritual doubts can be especially debilitating because they can question God's authority, God's identity, or God's promises based on our circumstances or perspective. God, I see you walking, but these, these waves are really big. I'm starting to question how much power you really have. Is your power greater than the storm? Because the storm feels real. The wind feels real. God, where are you? Why didn't you answer my prayer? Are you real? Because this heartbreak feels real. And in moments of crisis, people with spiritual doubt, they don't need more information necessarily. They don't even need more understanding. Do you know what they need? They need an encounter with the Spirit of God himself. An encounter with the Spirit of God. Now, experiencing mental and emotional and spiritual doubt, it doesn't make you sinful or weak. It makes you human. He remembers we are dust. God's not offended by your doubts because you're not the first person to have them, nor will you probably be the last person to have them. Do you know what God actually says? He says, bring me your doubts. Bring me your doubts. Matthew 11, 28, Come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened. James 1 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, including doubts, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And if any of you lacks wisdom... You should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Hold on, hold on. I gotta believe and not doubt? Sounds like certainty to me. Uh Uh-oh. This is a Greek word, diakrino, and do you know what it means? It means to separate or judge, and it's the moment where you're Vacillating between two options. The doubting here means wavering between something and not deciding. And I like the way the New Living translates this. It says, The New Living says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from their Lord because their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Hebrews 4.16. It's our memory verse, kids, come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need, your Father God waits with open arms on a throne of grace, ready to wrestle any doubts with you. How did Jesus respond to the doubts of Thomas and that desperate dad and Peter? How did he respond every time? He responded with compassion. That's love in action. This is a painting it's called the hand of God. Who's Jesus reaching for? Peter, you, me. This is, this is going to be you on Tuesday afternoon. You're going to need Jesus when you're sinking under the weight of whatever it is. It might not be a doubt. It could just be a struggle. It could just be a habit. It could just be a conflict. And you know how Jesus meets us? with open arms ready to help us. But here's something very interesting, and this is key, and don't forget it. Peter, Thomas, the disciples, that desperate father, none of them let their doubts separate them from Jesus. They came to Jesus with their doubts. They trusted Jesus in spite of their doubts. Peter reached for Jesus as he was sinking. Lord, I'm sinking. Help me. That's faith. Lord, save me. That's faith. And then Jesus reaches and pulls him from the water. And, oh, I love that expression on Jesus' face. Look Look that up later, this picture. He just, oh, he loves you so much. He loves you so much. He's so faithful to us. Trusting God with your doubt is the first step to overcoming your doubt. Trusting God with your doubt is the first step to overcoming your doubt. Um I don't know if everyone can see. I'm gonna pull this back for a second. Doubt's like a magnet. Everybody see this? It's a little, it's a little baby doubt. Doubt is like this magnet right here. And do you know, it'll pull toward whatever you direct it to. So here you are going about your life we're the little car, and all of a sudden, a doubt sticks to us. We're a little bit heavier now. I feel a little bit heavier. I got this little, this little doubt. It's not a big deal. It's bothering me. I feel the weight of it. And I want you to imagine... God's throne of grace, where he says, come boldly. There's mercy here. There's help here. God's throne of grace. I want you to imagine that it's the most powerful magnet in the universe because it radiates the love and majesty of God. And when we take our doubts and we lift them up before the Lord, and we say, Lord, I need you. I trust you with this doubt. I know you can help me. Oh, that is a sticky and good situation. The Lord draws us in towards his presence, toward his word, toward the revelation of scripture, toward fellowship with other believers, toward encouragement, toward truth. Everyone say truth. Truth. Our doubts need truth. Our doubts need truth. Isn't that good news? Now, let's look at this doubt real quick. Um, You know, doubt's not the opposite of your faith. It can actually be a function of your faith. This little guy right here, he's not always a bad thing because did you know sometimes doubt can help you correct wrong beliefs that you had? Just because you believe something doesn't mean it's true. In fact, you shouldn't believe everything you think. We need to take captive every thought and bring it to the throne of grace and see if it looks like Jesus and see if it lines up with what Jesus taught us to be and do. This little doubt, this little doubt's not it's not the enemy. But we do have an enemy. We have an enemy. And that enemy has come to kill and steal, and destroy. And let me tell you how this works. Um, Remember a magnet has two poles, right? And opposites attract. So when you bring your doubt to the throne of grace, what's going to happen? God's got some truth for you. It's going to stick. It's going to be good. But like poles, repel. And there is an enemy who wants you to take your doubt and just point it at yourself, point it at man-made wisdom, point it at something that's a lie or not true, and believe that. And do you know what that's going to do? It actually repels you and pushes you And what's the goal here? Well, the enemy wants you to have fear. Do you know what fear is? Fear is believing a lie. It's faith in the wrong thing. Faith in the wrong thing is a life of fear. This is the goal of the enemy. He doesn't want you to take anything to the Lord and solve it. He wants to get you as far away as possible. Here, oh, you got a little doubt? I got something for you. Let's, let's, Let's see what the news has to say about this. Call that really angry friend and talk to them about it. So the enemy is pushing you away from the very place that you need to be, and his goal is fear and disbelief. And what's disbelief? Oh, that's the opposite of faith. Because disbelief is choosing not to believe. And the enemy wants to take you as far away from the throne of grace, and he wants you to exit your faith walk on fear and disbelief. So we have a choice. Will we direct our doubts toward God? Or are we going to focus them elsewhere? What sometimes triggers our biggest doubts is an outcome we did not expect. Have you ever had a prayer, maybe a big prayer, and it went unanswered? It can rattle us to our very core. And you are not alone in this. I am not alone in this. We have a really good example in Scripture. John the Baptist had this happen to him. John the Baptist, he devoted his life. He devoted his life to the coming of the Messiah. He baptized Jesus. He saw the heavens open. He heard the voice of God confirm, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then 18 months later, John is weary and in a dungeon, and he starts having some doubts. Because he expected the Messiah would establish a literal kingdom of heaven on the earth, and it wasn't happening the way he thought it was happening. It wasn't happening that specific way he thought it would look like. And so while he suffered in prison, Jesus is out hanging with the crowds, Dining with the sinners and the tax collectors. He's a big splash. Crowds are following him. And John is suffering in prison. So he sends his disciples to question the divinity of Jesus. And they ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Perhaps John had faith in an outcome over faith in the Messiah. Misplaced faith is faith in anything besides God. And it's a dangerous and untrustworthy faith. You know what? Things may or may not turn out like we've prayed. Faith isn't magic, and God's not a wizard. This isn't sorcery, it's not Middle Earth. Faith isn't commanding God to do things your way. It's committing to do things his way. It's not about his outcome. It's not about an outcome. It's not about an outcome. Do you know what it's about? It's about his presence. His presence. The word says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Okay. We're ready to direct our doubts, our trial, our struggle to God, and we're going to build our faith in him. What does that look like? Do you know what it looks like? It looks exactly like what Jesus did for John the Baptist. It looks like Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So let's see what scripture says about these pesky doubts. Oh, when we're going along with life, And we get this doubt. Maybe we're hurting. We prayed for healing, but the next day we're still hurting. We go to the Word, and what does the Word say? Isaiah 53 says He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, we will be healed or we are healed. It's been done, friends. It's been done. Maybe today it still hurts. The outcome wasn't what I wanted, but I have faith not in my outcome. I have faith in my God. And my God says by his stripes, we are healed. Uh Uh-oh, here's another doubt. Maybe I was just, I was selfish and rude today. And is God going to stop loving me? I don't know that he can love me after today. Romans eight thirty seven says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor future nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, God's not going to stop loving us. That's right. Oh, here's another doubt. Ooh. I can't forgive that person and what they did. Wait a minute, does that mean I'm really forgiven? I'm struggling. If it's hard for me to forgive, can God really forgive me? And if he can't really forgive me, what does that mean about me forgiving other people? Huh? First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When you direct your doubts... Toward the throne of grace. God meets you with compassion. And he meets you with his truth. The journey to overcome doubt isn't pretending that you don't have any. It's working through them one by one. Working through them. Because here's what I believe. Once you really work through it, you're done with that one. No one can convince you otherwise. You can't convince me I'm not going to heaven. Now, when I was a kid, I got saved at every altar call. You don't see me going up there every time now, because I know it. I know it, and guess what? It's not because I'm awesome, it's because he's awesome. I didn't do anything to earn it. He's awesome. God wants you free from the things that hinder you. Say, God wants me free. He wants my family free. He does. Second Corinthians 3 says, "For the Lord is the spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 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 So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. We are the bride of Christ, and He is looking for a bride without spot or a blemish who obeys his commands, who heeds his spirit, who makes disciples, who walks in the fruit of the spirit, who speaks truth and love, who lays hands on the sick, who cares for orphans and widows, who acts as a peacemaker, who considers others better than themselves. This is all scripture, folks. These are all things we've been told to do by our king. That kind of faith exemplifies faithfulness. That's what faith in action is. We can bring every question, struggle, and doubt to the Lord because he is faithful. His spirit is ever ready to hear us and teach us and guide us. He is all-sufficient, he is glorious, and he is worthy of our trust. God is worthy of your trust. Do you know that his presence cuts the disbelieving roots off of uncertainty his presence makes the darkness tremble his presence well that's where the fullness of joy is that's where peace is because jesus is king of kings and lord of lords he has triumphed over it i told you this was a psalm sandwich Are you ready for psalm 103 Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Come on. Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy? Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? That's truth. That is magnetic truth that will wrestle your doubt to the ground and build you up in your faith in God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray, Lord. Thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for helping us to know we can be bold. We don't have to hide anything from you. We're not hiding We're not Adam and Eve in the garden, ashamed and hiding, we can bring you everything because you're the only way to get through it. You are Savior. You are Lord. You are good. You are merciful. And so we choose to bring our, our struggle, our doubt, our pain, our questions to your throne of grace today because that's the first step in overcoming it. You're a good God. You want your children to be overcomers. So, Lord, I trust this today. The doubts that harbor in our hearts, Holy Spirit, reveal them. And as we give them to you, one by one, they will be toppled. We're not going to wrestle them alone. We're going to wrestle them with you. And we're going to overcome. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Um, just in ending, if you have a prayer request, there's several ways for you to submit those prayer requests. It can be in the prayer box or the offering box. Look on the app at, at Generation Spring. Online through email, we want to pray for you. Um, if you want to know how to give an offering, it's awesome to keep the ministry alive. Generations It's not just here, it's all over the world. And we want to keep sharing the gospel the gospel's good news and we want to keep that going and so we thank you for your your faithful giving and for your tithes and your offerings and um, there's all the ways to do that they're right there and now if you would, we're going to close today may the Lord bless you and keep you, may he cause his face to shine upon you and may you remember this, the most powerful thing in the universe is our God Oh, he's a magnetic personality, and he loves you, and you can trust him. So let's trust him this week.